What is going on, everybody? It is another episode of Joystick Jockeys. Yeah. We're doing this again. In the middle of September. I I can't believe that it's already in the middle of September already. It's like late September, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. Um, when the show goes up, it'll be the 23rd. But today is the 22nd. Man, yeah. <laughs> can't you tell how long we work on these episodes? <laughs> The evening before. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually, like, it's funny. Like I, I like fall a lot. Like, I'm a really big fan of fall. It's my favorite season. But I'm getting, like, oddly sentimental about it this year, and I don't know why. And it's kind of, like, freaking me out. Like, uh, like I have a really big urge to, like, go up. To, you know, like, every time there's, like a, like, a Halloween movie, it's always, like, that street that's sort of, like, out in, like, suburbia that has, like, cute houses, and there's, like brown leaves on the ground everywhere yeah. like kids and like man i just like want to go up to maine really fucking bad and like have a cute <laughs> tiny house in an old like colonial era town right it's like not too far from the city um and that's not me at all i'm like such a city person so I'm, I, I don't know what's happening i think my biological clock is going crazy and it's are you like, are you ready to get pregnant yeah i think that's what it is i think i think i really want someone to put their baby in my butt um <laughs> I think this is what's happening, and it's weird because I, I don't like kids. Oh, like I have I have a niece, uh, I have a nephew and a niece, a couple of nephews and nieces. Mm-hmm. I'm an uncle, and um, you know they're cool. Like I'm I'm fine with them. Yeah, but uh, even then I'm like, cool. I can give you back. This is nice. Right. <laughs> but man, yeah, I'm about to be thirty. So that the whole my whole pregnant butt clock is ticking. I guess. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm Ruben Medina. And this is DJ Kirkland, That's and we talk me. about nerdy shit, uh, video games, and more. And sometimes, I guess, me wanting to get a pregnant butt. Uh, just give me a pumpkin spice latte and put a baby in there. Yes. Let's do this thing. A pumpkin spice latte and um, some UGG boots, some leggings, and like a North, and like a North Face jacket. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, giving yes. you your, your default white girl outfit. Yes. Yes. Yes, but yeah, Put um, that baby in my butt. But yeah, ready for um, the baby in my butt. <laughs> I'm, I'm make a song called "Baby in My Butt." You should. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a club just jam, club banger, just a real banger. Yeah. <laughs> I I can't breathe. <laughs> We're off to a great start. We really are. Oh my gosh. Um, Do you guys have fall up there in San Francisco? We well, okay. I'm under the impression you guys don't have seasons, really. Okay, look. So, yesterday, or, like, the day before yesterday, it was, like, 90-something like ninety something degrees. And mm-hmm. the week before that, it felt like fall. I'm like, oh, my God, it, this is what September's supposed to feel like. It's, like, 60 with a breeze. I can actually get a hot drink from Starbucks and actually, like, not want to, like, burst into flames. This is awesome. Like, Northern California and Southern California have two completely different climates, I feel. Mm-hmm. And Northern California, actually, it gets cold up here. And cold, quote-unquote, is, like, 40. It's, like, 40 at the very, at the very, very lowest. Um, that's about it. But um, it, in San Francisco, you definitely do have to, you know, bring a jacket. Like, that's year-round, though. That's, like, mm-hmm. the entirety of the year. You always need to have um, a jacket. Or in the summer, like, I like to call it a summer separate. <laughs> oh my God. A summer separate? <laughs> yeah, so you always need to come equipped with a summer separate. Like you need uh-huh. like you need like a pashmina, um, some sort of a shawl or a capelet or a cardigan, a, maybe. A, a Is cardi- that... Yeah, cardigans. Cardigans okay. are definitely a thing. Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so if you want like your your drip coffee and your cardigan and your thick 
um, Warby Parker glasses and your man bun. That's like your San Francisco starter kit outfit. Oh man, I'm working on a man bun, so I'm partway there. Yeah, you're you're almost there. You're almost there. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely does get chilly here. Like I actually have to break out a jacket or two, but nothing like a heavy pea coat or anything like that. So whenever I go somewhere else that actually has weather, I'm like, I'm not prepared for this. I'm not prepared for actual fall, not like pretend fall, not just like a trendy jacket that actually has no, has no like warmth. It's just there for fashion. Mm-hmm. That, that's kind of like what San Francisco is all the time. Yeah, it's my biggest, my biggest issue about living in the South is um, I, enjoy t- I enjoy layering. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a, as a fashion thing, and uh, you know, also because like when you're not like you know I'm in like okay shape, but when you're not in like super shape, Larian's a great way to hide your problem zones. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. So, like, <laughs> yeah, like no one knows when you're wearing like a hoodie over something. Like you look, you don't look like uh you know like you're out of shape, um, and you can't do that in the south. Though I gotta say it's been like. I think our highs have been in the uh, 80s, like uh, mid-80s. That's good. That's and good for Atlanta. We've been, yeah, we've been hitting uh, low 60s. We are literally talking about the weather. <laughs> yeah, we are literally talking about the weather on a video games podcast. This is what we've come to. <laughs> I was just curious. Now everyone knows everyone what weather's knows like there. They, yeah, they, they, they know. They understand. They understand what it's like on the West Coast. And then they know what it's <laughs> like in, in, in Atlanta. So for everyone that's in between mm-hmm. all of those spaces, they have a general idea of what the weather is like. So, the more you know, star swipes. Yeah, what's your favorite weather type? Tweet us at Joystick Junkies. <laughs> Does it make you want to get pregnant in your butt? Let us know <laughs> at Joystick Jockeys. Or the Joystick Jockeys at gmail.com. Whichever Let you your prefer. voices be heard. We'll do a poll. Yes, we'll do a poll. Of which season do you enjoy getting pregnant in your butt in the most? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> And I'm talking full-term baby. That's not a euphemism. <laughs> We're going to have a baby. A real live-ass baby. Wow. <laughs> so video game. Yeah, what, do you, what have you been playing, DJ? So I have been playing uh, Mario Maker, as we have been since the game has been released, and it's fantastic. I finally got the, uh, the sound effects pack. Of things. Oh, yeah. So now when I went into my game, I was able to record a Yas Queen and I could just like drop it in to like whatever status I want to. But I found something out that's rather unfortunate about doing the, the audio thing. Mm-hmm. When you upload your status online, it doesn't hold your audio because I totally get from Nintendo's perspective that they don't necessarily want people yelling very inappropriate things into sound bites and uploading mm-hmm. it to game for their like 10 year old to like download and play. And then they're like, mommy, what's, what's, what does Yas Queen mean? Or something a little <laughs> bit more offensive. Yeah. Than, every time than you stop a Goomba, they're just like, fuck. Exactly. exactly. Oh, fuck. I'm fucking dying. Yeah. But however, <laughs> anyone that wants to play my status locally will have fun because they'll get a Yas Queen like on various points of the stage just randomly. Wait, so I, I would have to play it... I would have to go to San Francisco and play it on your Wii U. Yes. To get, There's no... To get the sound effects. Fucking... Yeah, that's kind of lame. That's, like, the kind of lame thing about it. I... Like, I don't... Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I get it. Because I get Nintendo, yep. and I get them wanting to, like, make sure that the online, you know, it's it's going to be kid-friendly even in an online uh, atmosphere. So I get it. Um, it just sucks, though, because... 
there's so much so many opportunities for like really funny or like cool funny moments uh with different audio cues and you you lose them but like the onboard like sound effects that they have are pretty hilarious that are available mm-hmm. to you so I need to kind of deep dive and get into those and kind of use those and make levels with them so I can get the rest of the stuff. But I've been playing a lot of that. I just started playing The Witcher 3 again. Ooh. And I really like that game a lot. Um, it's super fun. I have no idea what's going on about, I don't know, 60% of the time because I didn't play the previous two games. So I'm not familiar too much with it, but I'm enjoying what I'm playing and what I can understand about what I'm supposed to do. And the narrative and all that stuff. So, so yeah, it's a really fun game. I really, really like it a lot. Um, I don't really play many open worldy games like that because, again, like I've said before in previous shows, where I kind of get like lost in all of the the random little side bits that you can do in those types of games. But I'm really enjoying this one. Uh, I mean, from what I understand, it's it's The Witcher Three: The Adventures of Jerry, and you make delicious drinks uh, that you drink all the time. And you also uh, have sex as much as possible. That's my understanding of the Witcher 3 story. Okay. So I'm pretty sure, like, I don't need to know more than that to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I think that works. That's just just Jerry running through wilderness, hunting animals, fucking everything. I love that you call him Jerry, which yeah. I'm going to call him that from now on. Because that's, Good. That's, that's the best name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, was it Geralt? Yeah, 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 Geralt, Geralt, Geralt. Oh, stupid fantasy name. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, like, thank God there's not an apostrophe in it. I guess, like, it's like Ger apostrophe alt, but just Jerry. He's Jerry. <laughs> just running through the countryside, having a good old time, You're having a good old time in Fantasyland. But yeah, yeah, um, that's pretty much what I've been playing. Pretty much, um, yeah, that that's it for me. But what about you, my friend? What have you been playing? I've been playing some Mario Maker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's a... So I really, really enjoy consuming content on it. Um, It's making... So what I have to say about the the content creation is that it's probably the best. Like, I I made one level so far that was just a super simple... I was like, I want to make a level that you can just, like, uh, get through by, like, running as fast as possible and jumping well. Yeah. Um, and mainly just like jumping well to bounce off of things to like maintain momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't make it too complicated because the game starts you out with very few uh, tools to use. Right. And I actually had fun making it. Like I didn't do that and go like, well, this is the only level I'm going to ever make in this game. Um, I actually was like, oh, once I get more tools, I actually kind of want to go back and, and make more. Um, and I think that is is mind-blowing. That Nintendo actually made a uh, a a creation tool in a game that is really fun and works really well and is, is hyper intuitive. Um, uh, most games, uh, I feel like a lot of games that have creation tools, you have to become a hardcore fan of it right. to take the time to learn the tools. And um, that was the big issue. I never got around to playing it, but I heard that was a big issue with um, Project Spark, which was the Xbox uh, game creation tool. Yeah. And it was so in depth and like, you know, far more, uh, far more complicated than Mario maker is, but it was just so in depth and, uh, and so unwieldy that people just didn't gravitate towards it. Yeah. Cause it was more like, you know, actually learning basic programming for a game using, you know, it was, it was like a game creation tool, like as legitimate as like a studio might use making like a small indie game or something, um, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, but you also like, it's not necessarily a game or a fun time. It's, it's a tool. Um, 
so I think that it's amazing that Nintendo was able to do that. And of course, I think that's what Nintendo does best is they make everything fun, no matter what it is. Absolutely. Um, my only gripe is how they gate, uh, how they gate your access to tools. Yeah. I, like, I completely that. get it. I completely get like not wanting to overwhelm someone. Uh, which was great because I, I didn't feel overwhelmed at all. But I honestly, like, I didn't just. I, I'm see. I'm watching lots of um, like Game Grumps. I've been watching. They've been playing all the levels that uh, Ross has been making on Game Grumps. Uh, Game Grumps, if you watch it, and uh, Ross has been making like really difficult, really sadistic, trolly levels. Um, and I've played some of them, and they're really fun if you like really difficult Mario levels. Uh, but so I've been able to see lots of really cool stuff. And so when I, I went to go make a level, I was like, oh, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I can't do any of that shit. Yeah. Um, and I won't be able to for, like, I don't know how many hours you have to put into the, the maker mode to start unlocking stuff. Um, supposedly it's not very long, like just it's a few not very hours. Long. Yeah, just a couple of hours. Because, like, once you use all the tools that have been given to you in the, in the set um, and you, like, made, like, a level or something, the more time that you spend with it, um, it unlocks that content for you faster. So just make sure that you use a little bit of everything from the, each set that you get to mm-hmm. kind of trigger the the next sets to uh, to unlock. And I've heard that you can even, um, uh, if you just like open a template and you just like select one of everything and then copy paste it a bunch, it'll unlock things really quickly is what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to start going through and doing that too because I want to get to the rest of the content because um, I've been mm-hmm. watching a lot of different videos too. Like Kotaku has been doing um, bits about like, oh, the people that are make the most sadistic levels of Mario Maker are at it again with, like, another stage, and they'll make something else. And it's crazy what some of these people have been doing with the game. And it's what's great is that it's really inspiring and giving me ideas on how to make my own levels. So mm-hmm. it's this constant flow of, of content to where you're kind of, like, brainstorming new ideas and all kinds of fun stuff. So I really, really like that a lot about Mario Maker, and it's been a really good time just to just sit back and watch people play levels is hilarious to me. I love that. Uh, yeah, I was uh, I was watching... There was some article up that was like, the, the hardest Mario Maker level there is. I think the only person who's beat it is the creator so far. Um, and it was insane. It was really cool to watch. It was really, really... Like, the design in it is brilliant. Um, but it's, you know, it's made to not be beaten. Or to, like... It, it's that same sort of crowd that, like, uh, that speedruns Spelunky and tries to beat Spelunky in a couple seconds. Yeah. Um, or, like, you know, I think, I think like, the record for Spelunky is maybe, like, under six minutes, which is crazy for that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. I think, actually, and I think the guy who made Spelunky actually created a, a Mario Maker level. And that's the cool thing, too, is I've yeah. seen a lot, of, a lot of indie developers picking it up and playing it and then creating levels themselves, which is really cool. Because yeah. you kind of get this... Um, uh, sound shapes for uh, PlayStation had a similar uh, thing where you had normal levels, but then there would be like a level pack where like uh, Beck created the soundtrack for this level. So this entire like these like four or five songs, which equates to four or five levels of sound shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, and sound shapes is just a really basic, like very, uh, very like savvy graphical design style um, uh, platformer on PS4. And it was cool because, like, I think in the you can buy add-on packs of like albums, basically. Yeah. But in the base games, there's like a Dead Mouse album, and there's a Beck album, and they're really cool. Uh, and it's it's neat to see like people that you might know or that you might dig create things within that environment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really cool too. Um, like I I saw that there are some other game devs that have been making stages. I watched one that dealt a lot with um going through a bunch of different doors and taking particular items like the, the Koopa Troopa shells and going to previous parts of the stage to get to get access to the next part of the stage. It's 
super in depth what what I'm seeing from people. So I'm I just can't wait to see what more content's gonna look like another month from now, two months from now, three months from now. See what all kinds of crazy stuff the people are gonna make. Yeah, I played a level. I played a Nick Robinson level the other day. That was um. Uh, the definition of insanity, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny because I don't know exactly, like, because uh, I haven't opened the tools to make a level in this way. Mm-hmm. But it's, you basically end up running through the exact same very short, like, level area over and over and over again. Um, but there was small changes happening yeah. that I noticed. And I think that's, like, the, I think that's how he built it was he was actually, like, copying that level over and over and over again, but making small changes that you'd have to kind of pick up on to see how to beat it. Yeah. Um which is cool. It's almost like PT. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we're at the same hallway over and over. Uh, that's. I'm surprised I haven't seen anyone try to make like a PT esque, like send up in Mario Maker. That's like a, a haunted mansion or like a boo house sort of thing. It's coming, I'm sure. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before we see something like that. I, I firmly will believe that we'll see a level like that very, very soon. Uh, so lots of Mario Maker and like a whole lot of uh, Destiny, the Taken King experience. Yeah, so I uh, I heard that they I've heard that they've like fixed a lot of the issues that were in the original game. Yeah, it's uh so I don't want to get too deep into mechanics with it because it's mechanics are sort of boring to listen to. Um, but basically, uh, the way leveling worked in the old game is you'd level experience is how you leveled up to level 20 and experience you got from everything you did from killing stuff to beating bosses to doing patrols and missions and objectives that was all experience once you hit 20 uh you can equip armor that's locked armor and weapons that are locked at level 20 um and the armor would have light levels and so you would want to have armor with a higher light level and your light level uh determined your like your level over 20 um, so you basically found yourself grinding a lot for specific pieces of armor or armors with particularly like high light level rolls. Um, so for the Ticking King, the new level cap is 40 and it's experienced the entire way. So at no point are you doing anything in the game that's a waste of time. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. Which is really nice because it doesn't feel like you wasted a couple hours and you didn't really get, you know, that piece of armor. So it was wasted. Yeah. Um, there's still light level above 40. There's a very similar, uh, it's very similar, but now it's, your light level is, um, it, it is a average of the light level of all of your armor and all of your weapons. So it does work kind of functionally in a similar way, but the way the game rewards you, um, things with greater, uh, greater light attached to them is far less punitive. Um, there's also a shitload of content. Um, there's, there's probably as much content in this expansion as there was in like the original vanilla game. Um, like there's more locations in the original game, uh, but the new location, the Dreadnought, is really big um, and it's really cool. And uh, the way that quests are done now, it puts them in more of a narrative context. Um, well, like so before, you would just sort of do stuff and you'd, you'd have bounties, um, and then you would do missions. But now you have bounties, and then everything that's not a bounty is quest oriented, and it's usually part of a story. So like, or like part of like learning about yourself even as a guardian like um i'm a titan so each guardian has like the head of your your class uh mm-hmm. so zavala is like the head of my class and like Cade six and akora are the head of the hunters and the um warlocks respectively so they'll give you quests that are about like mastering each one of your subclasses and there's kind of like little lore and story yeah. they stick into it and it's not done in like cutscenes, but it's part of like the quest um information that you're yes. given 
um, as opposed to being buried before. There's a thing in Destiny called Grimoire Cards, which is basically the encyclopedia of Destiny. And you can't read them in the game. You can read them online. Um, And it's really, the lore is actually really interesting. Like, it's not, like, amazing, but it's really fun sci-fi stuff. Uh, So now, like, it's, it's not still fully brought to the front, but it's, like, moved up a little bit. Um, sure. And they can't, you know, retro- retroactively go back and change uh, necessarily how the narrative works in the year one stuff. But in year two, the story is like really simple. Uh, you know, at the end of year one, you killed Crota, uh, who's this big bad dude. And so the entire uh, Taken okay. King uh, storyline is his dad, um, Oryx, is you killed his son, so he's after you now. Um, and he's after you, and he's after the entire galaxy. Um, and it's just very straightforward. Uh, Nathan Fillion voices uh, Cade Six, and he's sort of your main contact through most of the Taken King storyline. And Nathan Fillion is so charming. And I don't know if the writing got better, or it's just that Nathan Fillion is so fun and easy to listen to that the game suddenly has all this personality and soul to it that before it didn't have at all. Yeah, that, that's good to know, because when I when I played the original version of the game, I did feel like... It was, like, very dry. It was, like, this is outer space. This is stuff that's happening. You gotta go kill stuff. Space. And it wasn't, there wasn't, like, a lot of character to it. So that's cool to know that um, it feels, like, a little bit more uh, more fun. Yeah, and, um, and like, you know, Pete, there's a lot of flack that Peter Dinklage got for voicing uh, your ghost, which is sort of your guide, a uh, little robot dude with you. And for sure, like... Peter Dinklage, they replaced him with Nolan North. And what's crazy is that they retroactively replaced him. So, so really all of the year one content, like Peter Dinklage's voice is not in the game at all oh, anymore, wow. period. It's not like your ghost like updated and got a new voice for year two. Like it's always, as far as the game game is concerned, Nolan North has always been the voice of your ghost. Oh wow. Um, he for sure does a better job than Peter Dinklage does. Um, and that could have been Peter Dinklage. It could have been direction. Um, I, you know, partially, I think it's like, it's it's a good example of how even someone who's a great actor isn't necessarily a great voice actor. Right. Um, and how they're different professions and should be treated as such. Um, and, like, voice actors should be... And I'm saying this to someone who's, like, working to get into that industry. Um, but, like, should be, like, respected and compensated as such. No, I agree. Sort of stuff. I, I completely agree. Um, but Nolan North gives it a lot of personality. Um, there's certain times where his voice... It's weird. Like, he doesn't sound... It sounds like he's not doing quite the same voice. Like, it's a little bit uneven. Um, but in general, he does a really great job. So if if you were interested by Destiny, or you played a little bit of it and you dropped it, like, The Taken King is a pretty... I don't know. If you've never played it and you've been interested, I think it's a really, really good place to hop in. Because you have so much content now. Uh, I mean, there's so much stuff to do. I like it. I it's I I play it oh I I play it a whole lot I play it as much as a normal person plays an MMO so <laughs> nice well good well I'm glad that uh, the Taken King is being re- received really well because that was mm-hmm. my biggest concern it's like oh well here comes this DLC pack and um, I know a lot of people like dropped uh, vanilla after a while because they're like there's no more content or or whatever it was um, so I'm glad to know that uh, Taken King is has kind of breathed. A lot, a lot more life into the game again. So that's good. That's great to know that. It's funny because it rides this weird line because it is an MMO, but people don't want to call it that or consider it that. Like, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people are mad that uh, if you don't buy the Ticking King, 
you kind of get left behind in the game. Like if you only have year one content, it's like, oh, there's all this content that I yeah. can't play and people are pissed off about that. And I'm like, that's how every MMO <laughs> works though. Like if a WoW expansion comes out and you don't buy that expansion, you can't, you know, be a panda <laughs> like the Mr. Pandaria expansion yeah. is, you know? Um, so it's interesting that there's like, there's a weird double standard to it almost in some ways. That's really interesting. Um, but yeah, if you ever want to play with somebody, I'll I'll play with people. I love, I love yeah, that I game. mean, you, you might uh, I might uh, pick it up and play with it because I have the first game. It is it is a game that like I will one hundred percent say you have to play with friends. There is a lot of content in the new Taken King stuff that you can do solo. That's really fun still by playing it. Like I've played so much of the new content solo actually and really enjoyed it. Um, but you really got to have a group of friends to play with. Because um, all the high-level stuff, which is the really cool, interesting parts of the game, all the raids, you have to have, you know, six people. You can do it with less, but not really. It, it, like, it, you really need six people to beat it. Mm-hmm. That's Makes good. Sense. Awesome. Well, yeah, I'll have to... I'll, I'll consider it. I'll, okay, yeah, I'll consider maybe, it. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll play Destiny. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I guess kind of uh, digging into a little bit of... Uh, news of things that's happening um so Mega Man legends is finally coming to psn finally Yay. i love that game even though it's not a good game i'm like i'm gonna make some enemies right now but it's not a good uh, game, yeah it wasn't it. it wasn't a very good game Mega Man bullnut is my least favorite iteration of Mega Man, but like i did enjoy kicking those cans oh my god oh my god kicking the cans in the market yeah. all day uh that game looks yeah. terrible like but I, I, you know, it was a really cool. Again, this is something that you wouldn't have gotten. You won't like. You would never get that game right now, like unless it's on the 3ds, maybe. right? Uh, like that's not like. But back then, again, like Japanese development, like they're like, yeah, why not? Let's make a Mega Man RPG that's like really weird and doesn't make any sense, and like the weapon system's really weird. Um, what I'm upset about though is it's only gonna like if Sony could make one announcement like at some game show soon. It would just be like, hey, everything that you can play on your PS Vita and PS3 from the PSN store, you can now yeah. play on the PS4. Because <laughs> this shit's only on PS3 and Vita. You can't Correct. get it on PS4. Uh, and it, that drives me Same. nuts. Same. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, and what I thought was weird was that they released the Misadventures of Tron Bond on PSN before releasing Mega Man Legends. Yeah, like super sneaky. They yeah, didn't like, say anything. It was just like, oh, yeah. it's in the store. Uh, which is like a lesser. I mean, there's. I think there's more of a cult following for that game, but it's sort of lesser known in a lot of yeah, ways. Yeah, I just thought that it was weird that that the uh, the kind of spinoff of a spinoff Mega Man game was released on PSN first before the actual spinoff game to where that character originated from was released mm-hmm. on PSN. But whatever, Capcom does whatever they want. <laughs> it's fine. It's it's fine. Sure. You gonna be okay, DJ? No, no, Are you I'm all fine. right. No, it's, think everything's <laughs> fine. That's great. Um, <laughs> I mean, I could just go on and on about Capcom, but I digress. Um, so it also looks like um, I'm actually happy that this is happening. That um, Star Fox Zero is delayed until 2016. Yeah. So I don't under. I personally, I didn't. I didn't understand what people were saying when they're like. Star like Star Fox Zero looks like shit, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. I actually played it. Like I, I looked at it with my eyes, and I played it. It does. The game does not look bad. I think what it is, at least for me, is that when I played it, I didn't feel like there was enough that was new 
mm-hmm. about the game, like because it was just playing through like Star Fox sixty four levels again, uh, but in in higher definition. So I'm like, well, they made this big deal E3 last year about how Miyamoto was working on a new Star Fox game. So I was expecting kind of like a newer, fresher experience. Not just like, oh, we're using the gamepad, but like, I don't know, like something that felt really new to Star Fox. And a little known fact that I don't think a lot of people know about the development of that game is that Platinum actually is doing, is uh, responsible for developing it alongside Nintendo. So they're doing a lot of the, they're doing the combat. So with a company like Platinum that makes such really good action games, like, play to their strengths. Like, make it really fun and, like, faster-paced and action-y and all that stuff. Because, like, we haven't really had a proper Star Fox game since Star Fox 64. Mm -hmm. Um, Because uh, there was a Star Fox game that was on... um, Star Fox Command that was on the GameCube that was... It did some interesting things, but it wasn't, like, the Star Fox game that people were expecting it to be. Um, and I think was it Star Fox Assault? Yeah, Assault was like Assault was something different too. And then they did a remake of Star Fox sixty four for the three DS as well. Yeah, so there's mm-hmm. been a couple of Star Fox um, experiences since Star Fox sixty four proper, but they haven't been the greatest experiences. So you would think that with you know a new Star Fox title being developed by Miyamoto and being on their flagship hardware, that it would be out of control. But the reception was just like, it's shitty or it's bad. And I didn't personally think that it was, but that's been the general reception. And I believe that them delaying it is, a, is in the, the, the sheer amount of negative response and feedback that that game has gotten since it's been playable in any phase. See, I didn't, I didn't have the, the privilege of, of playing at E3. Um, and, uh, but what I saw, like the, all the footage I saw of it, I, I mean, it looked... It looked bad, like, graphically, which is fine. Like, I don't... Nintendo games, to me, aren't about graphics, but it did look, to me, like, for a Nintendo game, it looked like it was lacking any graphical polish, which, at the same time, the game's in alpha. That's fine. Um, But it's, like, it's something that I wouldn't have shown. Yeah, I Um, And then the gameplay they showed... Mm Like the envi- I don't know, it's like the environments looked like they weren't even there. Like that they're like they didn't actually build levels oh. yet. Um, that looked all it looked really sparse. Like there was nothing on screen, or like it wasn't populated or yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the control scheme. I, most most of the impressions I read about was that the control scheme just didn't yeah. work. Like the the game because it's if you guys haven't like looked at it. It's like, I guess the, um, oh, DJ, you can probably talk to this better because yeah. you played it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so basically what happens is there are two views. So on the television is this really cool cinematic dynamic view that has like really interesting camera angles and it's going in different places. But um, you, your precision aim is all done on the gamepad. So you have two different experiences that you're, that you're, that you're dealing with at once. And I kept wanting to look at the TV because that's where the more interesting stuff was happening. Because like I got to see a more, a bigger view of what was actually happening around me. But when I was trying to aim at things, it just didn't work. I'm like, because I was wanting to look at the TV and aim at things, but it wasn't shooting the things that I wanted it to shoot because you're supposed to be looking at, at the um, at the gamepad. So it was just a really, it was an awkward experience. And I was looking, when I was waiting in line for my turn, I was looking at the control scheme and it was showing it on the gamepad. And there was nothing control scheme wise about that game 
that couldn't have been done on a pro controller. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I just want to use the pro controller so I can look at the TV. Like I, I was expecting a more, uh, a more traditional Star Fox experience when I was watching it. When I was when I was seeing it being played, I was like, oh well, I want, I want these cool dynamic views. I want to be kind of led on a. Uh, kind of a linear experience with navigating through the stages like in previous Star Fox games, but they were trying to do all these cinematic cuts and things like that that were really weirder than you were supposed to pay attention to the gamepad. It was just this weird unbalanced system of where, when you had to look at the gamepad and when you need to look at the TV. And there, so the, was, there wasn't clear prompts to win to look at, look at either one either. So the gamepad is like, it's your cockpit view, basically, right? Exactly. So is this is this Star Fox more about shooting and less about, like, navigation and flight? Because uh, with, with a dynamic camera angle that's, like, constantly swooping in and out and going around the ship, like, I, I feel like that'd be hard to kind of... Like, I don't know, I feel like uh, navigating through environments and Star... Like, Star Fox to me has always been about navigating environments as much yeah. as it has been shooting. Uh, maybe shooting a little bit more. Um, but that goes back to like even old school shoot 'em ups. Um, like Gradius to me was way more about shooting, but our type was way more about navigating the environment with your ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and a cockpit view is hard to navigate an environment in. Um, but if the TV view isn't just straight up behind your ship, and it's like kind of zooming in and out, you're gonna be perspective's gonna be get, get fucked constantly. Yeah, and so that's like, exactly what, that's exactly what happened. I can't imagine, like, flying... Like, I think back to the first level of the N64 Star Fox, where you want to fly under those uh, arches to get, like, the rings to pop up. And I'm like, okay, like, how... Would that just be insanely difficult to do, or a huge headache to do with this setup? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a nightmare to do with the current setup, so... Um, I'm glad that the game got in the hands of people before it was ready, before it shipped. Because had that game shipped as is because it was slated to come out this holiday mm-hmm. and have that game shipped in its current state. It would, it would get demolished by, by the media. Yeah. I think like, I mean, use the, I would, I would, I, I don't know. I would go and they might come out with something that uses what they're, what they're trying to do, but it just wasn't fully baked and it's going to blow my mind. But for me, for a star Fox game, I really just want like classic star Fox behind the ship view. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could always go into cockpit view in the old 64 one. Yeah. But, like, so put that cockpit view on my gamepad. or And, like, maybe not just cockpit, but maybe, like, there's uh, touch buttons that I can press to, like, maybe change weapons or yeah. launch my bomb. Yeah. Or, um, you know, do the, I know that the ship can transform the new one. Like, um, have interesting stuff. Or, like, if they wanted to do more game mechanics to it, if it was more complicated, like, um, if you had shields... And you want it, and you had like shield energy that you could allocate to the front of your ship or to the back of it or something. That could all be done by touching the screen, so you could swap your shields around quick or change the type of shield or your loadout. Um, that's what to me like a gamepad is great for is having a, a fast menu that doesn't take you out of the action. Um, exactly, I agree. As, and that's like that to me is like the evolution of what Star Fox should be using that gamepad. So I'll be curious to see what they come up with. But me too. Uh, that's what they have more time now to. Yeah, work they on. have a. Yeah, and they definitely have a lot more time. They definitely have a lot more time to to fix the issues in the game. So I'm hoping to see those changes being made because I really want a good Star Fox game to be on a console because it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's see what else that we have here. Um, but beyond that, um, 
Oh, so um, since you're Mr. Met- Metal-, Metal Gear Solid, um, so what is this about the DLC to include horse armor? Oh, I put this. I put, I put this in the art, the news, uh, our little news uh, document, just because I thought it was funny. Because yeah. I, I don't know if you remember um, back before, ba- back in the old days, uh, <laughs> before all the new 720ps, um, like uh, uh, before DLC was really a thing. The first DLC I can remember that people flipped their shit about was Oblivion. Uh, Oblivion selling horse armor as DLC. Um, and that was a thing, like your horse, you could buy armor for your horse in Oblivion. And I don't know if it had any stats in the game. I think it was maybe purely cosmetic. Um, and so in like really a funny coincidence, um, at TGS, they showed some of the first DLC for, uh, MGS5 and it's pretty much all cosmetic stuff. Um, like you can get a tuxedo for snake or if you're using uh, female soldiers, cause you can play as a, a woman in Metal Gear if you put one on your combat team. Nice. Um, so, like, they have, like, a boss in EVA um, costumes, which is really cool. But they also have, like, horse armor, which I just... When I saw that, I was like, oh, God, it's happening again. Uh, like, <laughs> 10 years later, 10, 12 years later, we have horse armor all over again. That's hilarious. That's all. I just thought it was funny, because I remember... <laughs> I mean, that was, like... I don't know if you remember, but that was a tipping point. Like, that was a huge, huge issue that people got up in arms about when Horse Armor came out. That it was a travesty and ridiculous and DLC and, and, and now it's just, you know, every fucking game has DLC now and right. it's all over the place. Yeah, uh, how, how the times have changed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, and bad, like, like day yeah. one patches, day one patches suck. Like, they do. I want to just put my game in and have it work. But at the same time, you know, if you had a Nintendo cart that had a like a bug in it that made the game not work, <laughs> you were like, you were fucked. That was it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but um, I guess we can kind of jump into the the meat and potatoes of the show, and that was pretty much um, Tokyo Game Show Hangover mm-hmm. and all the Japanesey things that have been announced. Since at, uh, at Tokyo Game Show, um, I know that both you and I have been following it um, quite uh, quite a lot since um, since it happened last week. But um, one of the things I kind of I kind of was a little bit butthurt about <laughs> was um, you protect that butt. You got a baby in that butt. I, I know I have a baby, a baby on butt, baby on butt, baby on butt. I'm gonna put that in the back of my car in the window. <laughs> Yo, be careful driving around me. I got a baby on butt. But one of the things that made me a little upset. <laughs> I'm going to make t-shirts, baby on butt t-shirts, and no one's going to know what the fuck it is. Please do it. Please. Um, so Kingdom Hearts 2.8. Yeah, we're almost at three. Guys, we're God, almost God, there. Now, I was so mad because I'm like, really? <laughs> like another like another thing to wait to like, like is this, is this stuff is what key, is, is keeping Kingdom Hearts 3 from like, being anywhere close to remotely finished. I and I know that that's not the case. I know that they have multiple teams of people that work on specifically like HD ports of previous titles to to new regen con- consoles. Like there are specific teams that are dedicated to doing this thing. Yeah, but you would think they could take some of that manpower. Right, and put it on Kingdom Hearts 3. I mean, yeah, that's cool that like I can play like Dream Drop Distance in HD. Like that's fine. Like, I didn't realize that the Kingdom Hearts fandom was clamoring for that, but okay, that's fine. The I little bit of Dream Drop I played was actually really good, so... Yeah, I heard it was probably one of the better of uh, the Kingdom Hearts spinoffs. 
I've heard it's the best. Uh, the bit of it I played was really good, I, and I've heard that it's it's just, like regarded as the best of the uh, the mobile Kingdom Hearts games. With I think Birth by Sleep coming like in second after that. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that that I can believe. That I can believe. And then it has um, a, a final chapter thing with Aqua, which I love Aqua, and I thought she was really cool. And then there's there's something else that's on there. I don't know. But what I do what I do know is that it's not. Kingdom Hearts 3, and we're not any closer to a release date for Kingdom Hearts 3. Like, I'm excited for it, because I, di- I didn't finish Dream Drop Distance, and I could see myself sitting down to finish it on my PS4. Um, and the, I guess I think that the other content, I think from what I understand, is all, like, story stuff. It's not yeah. game content, but it's story stuff that I think is supposed to be a primer for the series overall, and then um, like a prologue for Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, which is cool because that yeah. story is convoluted as hell. So I think that's like beneficial to everyone yeah. to have a quick primer that probably won't help at all because it's not going to make any sense still. Right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I'll, there's a good chance I'll get it just to play Dream Drop like on my couch. Oh yeah, I'm totally going to buy it. Like I'm 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 salty about it, but I'm still gonna still gonna buy it. Uh, so this is 2016 release on PS4. They didn't they didn't say spring or like. They didn't say anything about it being like quarter one or anything. So I'm curious where in 2016 this is going to end up. Yep. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm definitely interested to, to see when that's going to drop because I, I don't know. Speaking of uh, Final Fantasy stuff, uh, so was it World of Final Fantasy? Is that the new? Yeah, that one, the cute one. I am more excited about that now because the Tokyo Game Show trailer than like maybe any of the other games. Yep. Because it looks really adorable it, like, it looks, looks so good like everyone's like kind of chibi style um but sometimes they're not and supposedly that's part of gameplay like you can choose what size you want to be and then uh you you can stack things on top of each other um and that like changes your battle properties from what i've read oh man so it sounds like there's like also a, a collecting aspect to it that you like not only collect final fantasy characters but um like final fantasy creatures too to fight with Yes. Uh, so I'm like, okay, cool. Final Fantasy and Pokemon and an adorable, like, ver- like I'm really excited for it. Yeah. No, I think it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. And I, also, I want, like, those, I want, like, little figures of, like, the chibi versions of all the characters. Like, I saw, like, when I saw, like, chibi lightning, I was like, oh, my God, it's the cutest thing in the world. And I I want it. I want a toy of that. What what if, DJ, what if Square Enix makes... Uh, not amiibos, but the same thing for all those characters. Oh my god, rip. Because you already have, like, every amiibo, right? That's out? Mm, no, not, well, no. I'm missing, like, I, I don't have the gold Mario. Uh-huh. Um, but, I, but I did just get the, the modern Mario for the 30th anniversary one in the mail yesterday. Uh, did you also buy it on PlayAsia? Uh, no, it, was, it went up on... Uh, it went up on Walmart. What? Um, by itself? Yeah, by itself. And I was like, let me get that. How much was it? Uh, 20? Oh, okay, I sent like 25 for PlayAsia, though. So yeah, it was, it was like 20, yeah. I never buy Amiibos. It's okay. I can buy this one for, for too much money. You can buy the one for, yeah, for too much money. It's fine. <laughs> I don't have a problem. It's not going to be a problem. I'm going to be okay. Are you, are you sure? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> You're gonna like find me like they're gonna find me just like buried under a bunch of Nintendo plastic, suffocated. That's gonna be me. It's like two chains, like bury me under the amiibo store. <laughs> um, 
Two chains. Two chains. It's gonna be me on like my strange addiction. I'm like in a bath in like a cloth but bathtub like full of plastic Nintendo toys, and I'm like, I just can't help myself. I have to buy ten of each one. Just just huffing amiibo boxes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's gonna be it's gonna be terrible. Whatever it is, it's just gonna be a hot mess. Um, but um, but yeah. So um, more stuff about Tokyo Game Show. Um, obviously they showed. What I've been waiting for, for a very long time, is more news on Persona 5. Oh, snap. Yeah, oh, man. So, it, it was kind of bittersweet news, but at the same time, I'm kind of okay with it, because they were like, here's more stuff about Persona 5, but guess what? It's not coming out until the spring of 2016 in Japan. So, I was like, aw. But when I think about it, when I like took a minute to really think about it, I was like, well, there's a shit ton of stuff coming out this fall. Yeah. And there's, like, a lot of, like, JRPGs that are happening between Q4 and going into mid-2016. So, like, Xenoblade Chronicles X is already going to be, like, a huge part of my winter because that game looks incredible and it's at least going to be, like, 300 hours of content for me to fuck around with in that game. So I'm going to be knee-deep into that game when it drops in November. And then um, Tales of Asteria comes out um, and at the end of October, so I've got a lot of weeb trash to play between now and, uh, the early, early part of next year, so I'm like, you know what, Persona 5 needs to just have its own time to shine, <laughs> and they, and like, they, they basically said the game is pretty much close to being done, but they just want to make it a really, really tight and a really, really awesome package, um, they he, he, they didn't want to make a short game. They wanted to make a game that actually was rich with a lot of content, knowing that they're on new hardware and all that stuff. So it's gonna be there's gonna be like a bunch of like little side wait, mini games and stuff in it. What, what does it mean when a Persona when they when Atlas says that they don't want it to be a short game? Because like Persona games are long. Like yeah, they the Golden are. is very like Persona Four. The Golden is very long. Yeah, because um, they because I guess if we're talking about games that they've done that are in HD. Catherine was, wasn't necessarily a really long game. Yeah, it was very short, yeah. Nor, nor did it need to be a long game for the no. kind of experience that it was. Yeah, it's a puzzle but, game. Yeah, it's a puzzle game. So, um, an amazing puzzle game at that. Play Catherine if you haven't played it. It's really um, good. It will tell you weird things about yourself that you didn't know. That might take you to places you'd like. You might admit things like about yourself that you don't want to admit. Yeah, it's true. They, they have a commentary on relationships in that game is really amazing, and we could talk about that ad nauseum. But... Um, Basically, like they wanted to add more content in it. So essentially, what I'm thinking is, as opposed to them making like Persona Five Golden or Persona Five Fez, they want to have like all the same stuff that they would include in one of those in one of those games within the main package of Persona Five. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, why not just have it all in one title? There's no right. reason for a follow up. Right, right. Yeah, with that, there's no reason for a follow up. But it looks absolutely incredible. Um, all of the characters look great. the The 2D animation cutscenes are top-notch like they have an even bigger budget because that animation looked incredible Mm -hmm. um but yeah like i am so excited about that game it looks amazing it's going to be amazing i'm 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 a persona fiend so i'm 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 ready i need to actually sit down and finish golden because i'm not that far into it because like i like i like uh, i think we talked about this before like i like everything about persona but the gameplay i have a hard time with and i think it's because it's it's so uh, like old school turn based RPG, and on top of that, it's because it's all dungeon based. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think if they even just made it not a dungeon crawl, 
I would be able to like get into it more on a gameplay uh, in, a, in a gameplay way. Um, but I mean, and I have no expectations of this not being dungeon based. I'm sure it's going mm. to be. Though from the gameplay, like it looks, there's interesting things. Like it looks like there's some like some sneaking stuff they added in, or like yeah. time event things that look interesting. Yeah. Um, also, it looks like uh, so like what Persona Three was Persona Three the one where they shot themselves in the head to, yeah. to summon. Yeah. And what was it in four that they did to summon? Um, and so the the it was just the cards that they would like crush in their hands of their okay. of their arcana, but like the the kind of the thing in the game, like in Persona Three, it was the evokers, which were the guns, mm-hmm. and then the other thing in tandem with Persona Three it was the glasses. Like they all had they all had the glasses when they go into um, into the TV world. They right. in order to see that's like that's like the thing, and the thing in five is that they're all wearing masks. So like basically how like everyone hides behind a mask and then when they reveal when they take off their mask they reveal their true selves so that's the kind of the whole underlying theme with that and i love that because if you go back and look someone did um took a screen caps of the trailer mm-hmm. when they rip off their masks in the game to summon their personas they're like their faces are bloody yeah, it's like ripping off the like the layer of skin the mask is connected to, which is cool. Like I love that Persona does kind of weird, uh, weird shit like that. Like the Evokers were really weird, yeah, um, in that way. Uh, and this is so. And Persona is all a shared universe, right? Like you have Constance, like the old man who has all the tarot cards and stuff, right? Mm, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, there, there are certain there are certain things that are always canon in the game. So like the Velvet Room is always a thing, and then you always um, you always run into the the guy Igor. Mm-hmm. I believe that I believe that that's his name. I, I forgot off the top of my head, but Igor, you always run into him in the game, and there's always an attendant to the Velvet Room, and in um in this game, it's uh they're twins. It looks like it's they're they're two little twins. They're boys. It's like a twin boy and a twin girl, mm-hmm. which is really really cool because it's always been one representative of the Velvet Room in Persona Four. It was Margaret, who I love and I think she's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I was interested to see like where they were going to take the representation of the person that gives you personas and you do like the persona forecast and the fusions and all that stuff, what that was going to be. So the, the twin kids is an interesting take. So I'm excited to see what they do with that and what their personalities are like. Yeah. And I like that. It looks like there's this also th- theme of being like cat burglars and thieves. Um, and I'm really curious uh, how that's going to play into the game. Um, obviously, everyone having the masks on, but it looks like it's also part of the narrative with your character. It, it definitely is. They revealed a little bit of part of the narrative. Um, let me go to Silicon Arrow real quick. They revealed a little bit of it, which I thought was really, really cool. Um, but they are burglars and they steal. It's like it's about stealing um, the hearts or like corrupted hearts from people. Okay. Like it's something about it's also dealing with like corrupt hearts and all of that stuff and capturing people's hearts and things like that. So, so still very anime. And yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Still super, super anime and every way that you could think of, but it's, it's everything that I want and could ever need and ask for. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited about that, but, um, but yeah, they showed some really cool stuff there. Was there anything that kind of stuck out to you? I mean, I like as dumb as it is, I got excited that you can drift your chocobo in final fantasy 15. <laughs> <laughs> Like there's it's there's this weird slow leak. I mean, and I don't I don't know if it's necessarily good for the marketing of that game, but there's like they keep showing little tidbits of things, but nothing too substantial. Um, and uh, and they just showed that like they showed chocobos finally that you can ride them and how like renting them works. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just I guess chocobos have a really uh, 
there's a, I, I don't know if it's going to be a button press or what, but there is, they can cut corners really tight and it just looks like initial D, like Chocobo edition, basically, right. where you just have like, uh, you know, a Fast and Furious drifting of Chocobos, which I just made me laugh really hard. Um, and there's also a fishing game. And so like, and it, this is sad, but what I want more than anything is for that fishing game to be a really competent fishing, like arcade fishing game. Like I want it to be Sega Bass Fishing. It like, looked really good. They're, they released a gameplay trailer of, of, of Noctis Fishing, of what it mm-hmm. looked like in-game, and it's pretty intense. Like, that's all I want. I just want it to be, I want it to be a really fun arcade fishing minigame that's, like, as good as what Sega Bass Fishing was on the Dreamcast, because that means I'll never beat the game, because I'll just fish all the time. Yeah. And my party's going to be super well-fed. Also, uh, every time, because, like, when you camp in that game, at night you camp and you make dinner, and you choose what dinner you want to make, and that determines the buffs that your team has for the next day. Um, and when you make dinner, they show you, like, plating the food. Food in that game looks ridiculous. Yeah, it looks like, insane. It's like how, like, food in Ghibli movies always looks amazing. It makes you really hungry for that thing. And this is the first time I've, I've seen a video game where, like, I see food on a plate, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, Yeah, it looks intense. Uh, that is To me, that is the most amazing feature of Final Fantasy XV so far, is beautiful, beautiful food. Yeah, no, it looks really, really good. And what's cool is that when you catch the fish, like, you cook, that's a fish that you can also cook for dinner, mm-hmm. too. So I thought that was re- a really fun little little feature that you could I, do in that. And I think they revealed, I think you read about this more than I did, but they revealed some stuff about the, the female protagonist or protagonists in the game. Um, I, didn't, I didn't see anything besides their design. Yeah, um, they released a little bit of information on them. Um, I'm just pulling up the article right now. Um, so yeah, they they introduced. Um, well, we have more information about about the girl um, Luna. Um, so Luna, which I thought in the, when the trailer, the, there were all these soldiers around her, and, and they're pointing guns at her, and she's like, "Get that shit out my face!" And then just like walks and like walks away. Like she slays. She looks amazing. Um, <laughs> but she's but she's revered as an oracle, and she has the ability to talk to the gods. And she's like the youngest living oracle in this world. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's definitely, like, some sort of, like, a a deity of sorts to to the people in this world. Um, it's, it's funny, because, like, 15 was, and still is in some ways, getting a lot of backlash for being, like, it's an all-dude party, and it's all guys. Um, and the thing, I was actually talking about this with uh, my girlfriend the other day, was, like, yeah, like, I love to see more women in games and, like, good representation. Um, but at the same time, like, the Final Fantasy series has always had really awesome female characters. Yeah. Like, uh, and not always as the main character, but, like, in your party and big characters, big important characters in the game. Mm-hmm. And then we got 13, which had Lightning as a really great lead character. Yeah. And so it's, I understand, like, the, uh, I definitely understand the frustration maybe with it. But at the same time, after playing the demo, um, what Final Fantasy XV does that I think is also very important is uh, how it handles like the group of guys. Like the way they interact is completely different from how I've seen any other game portray men like hanging out together. Yeah, like the the some sort of masculinity that's uh, that's on display is like this really caring and thoughtful and like they're still like you know horsing around and having fun and like fucking with each other, but it's like. It's very, very open, and it's very, like, touchy and physical, and everyone has, like, a kind of different role in the party. Yeah. Um, And it's cool, because you never... You know, if I'm playing a dude in a game, and I'm talking to another dude, nine times out of ten, I'm just like, 
oh, we better get this thing figured out. We gotta kill this thing. Hey, don't be such an asshole. Like, that's the entire thing, and I, and I hate it. And so it's amazing and re- refreshing to see these dudes who are just like, hey, we're on a road trip, and it's, we're having a fun time, and whoa, that monster's huge, let's kill it. Like, you know, it's like really... And then one of them being like, oh, you knuckleheads, you know, I'm the guy with glasses who takes care of everyone and it's just really really cool and there's a wimpy character there's a super strong character there's the dad ish character um it's just like i it's cool to see yeah but there's varied levels of of masculinity between the four of them and i'm referring to this game as final fantasy bromance road trip edition (laughs) yes which is which i'm totally here for like i'm here for that and i was talking to one of my friends about about this because he sent me the picture of of the girl for, for this article Mm-hmm. And I was like, she slays, but like we had so much Final Fantasy Lady Time, like for three games over the course of what four or five years with the yeah. thirteen saga that like I'm cool. Like And I mean X X two, which is like unpre to like have all all female lead roles and it also be a game where your job, like changing jobs and abilities, is all dress up. Basically, it's all Which costume is, changes. It's the best thing ever. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, and that's that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm not gonna give them too hard of a time. Yeah, neither am I. Uh, when they've done a pretty good job in the past with that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, we there's still so little that we know to this game, and it's really far along in production. It looks great. The combat was great. I really enjoyed what I played in episode Duske. Like, it's really really fun. So I'm looking forward to seeing the story open up and unfold in front of all of us when the retail version of the game comes out, whenever it comes out next year. I'm excited for it. It's going to be fun, I think. And uh, yeah, it looks really good. It looks really, really, really good to me, and I'm here for all of that. Uh, you know, DJ, this is going back to something that we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, so out of order, sort of. But just something I want to bring up because I'm curious if any of our listeners are having the same issues. Um, so back to Mario Maker, just briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, so something I'm noticing while playing is I feel like there's some input lag going on. And I know that, like, my TV is... Um, I think my TV, like, usually is, like, around 30-ish seconds input lag, which isn't amazing, but it's not bad. And I don't have that issue in most other games. Um and like even uh, so, from what I understand, from a technological level, uh, Mario Maker is the new Super Mario Brothers engine um, that's running it. And then all of the stuff, all of the different templates of different eras of Mario are just skins on that template. Um, and I never had like pixel perfect jump stuff, which is really important in Mario. Um, I never had issues with that uh, in new Super Mario Brothers that I remember, at least. Um, but I'm finding myself like frequently enough getting frustrated, like finding that I'm not like getting that those last second jumps, those pixel perfect jumps on the end of a ledge, mm-hmm. them not registering and me just falling or like the, uh, the springboards. Cause the springboard is a, it's a very precise, like timed button hit to get the higher jump Yes, on springboards. And I'm constantly missing those. Um, and I, I was watching again, I was watching game grumps play it. And Aaron, uh, who one of the Game Grumps, who's really good at games, I was noticing him having lots of those moments, too, when he was playing. And I'm curious if there's a lag input issue with this game that is, I don't know, is more pronounced than... Because no reviewer mentioned it at all, which I thought was odd. Um, And I don't know. It's something that I'm noticing, and I don't know if anyone else is noticing this, though. So when I was at PAX and I was playing, I was playing the uh, the build of the game that was it was basically the E3 build of the game. Um, I was asking the guy about like about the specifically about the physics of each game. I was like, so how does it handle the physics between each Mario game because they're all vastly different from one another? 
and he was telling me that like when you switch um, skins, is that it switches to the physics of each of those respective games because they all kind of play a little bit differently. So um, it's possible that there could. Uh, it's possible that it could not. It might not. not blah, 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 it might not necessarily be one hundred percent perfect to its its original form of the game, but the physics in and of themselves are accurate to each of their respective titles. Okay, because yeah, I'm, I'm noticing. Um... I'm noticing it across all of the uh, all the different templates I played, but it does seem more pronounced to me in original Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, um, which I thought was interesting. Also, I noticed too. There's not a Super Mario Two template, is there? Right, because technically Mario Two um, is not a real Mario game. Yeah, well, I'm just surprised. I would I would have thought they would have maybe put it in there because I would have loved that. There's throwbacks to it though. Uh, when you beat a level as Princess Peach, the music when you beat uh, a level as her is Mario Two music. Yeah. Uh, it's the, it's the old, like, when you finish a boss level and, like, the eagle opens its mouth and, like, eats you up music. Um, yeah, so if you're listening, if you're also noticing that issue, like, let us know, because I'm, I I feel like I'm going crazy. (laughs) Because, because I don't think one reviewer that I read mentioned it. And that's, for a Mario game, to me, that's sort of a a big deal. And the game still plays great. It's just that thing where it's, like, uh, I feel like I'm having to sort of, um... When there's like when there's minor lag like that, you sort of start to learn how to auto compensate for it, and you time your jumps a little bit differently. But you can tell it's not natural necessarily. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree with you on that. So yeah, if you're listening and you've experienced that, please let us know, because either we're both just really bad at Mario games and we have <laughs> like a warped perception that we think that we're badasses at it, or I mean, I'm really good at Mario games. I'm not gonna lie, like really 2D Mario games, very good. I believe that. I'll, I'll, I'll believe that. <laughs> pretty, pretty boss. I'm, I'm, pre- I'm pretty amazing at them. But I could just be going insane. That's also possible. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me see what else we got. So some other things that I saw from Tokyo Game Show that was really exciting um, was um, Ace Attorney Six actually got announced before Tokyo Game Show started, but they revealed more stuff during Tokyo Game Show. So. Um, I'm a really big fan of the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney series. Um, I like all those games a lot. The localizations of them have been super, super fun, hilarious. Um, it's Capcom's A-Team doing phenomenal work. Um, when they came over to the 3DS, um, they moved to 3D models, and they look absolutely incredible. Um, they're just as bright and vibrant as the 2D sprites were in the previous um, in the DS Phoenix Wright games, because originally those games were on Game Boy Advance in Japan, mm-hmm. but were all remade for the 3DS and then brought in the US on the 3DS. Uh, on, the, on, the 2D, on the DS, rather. Um, so, yeah, um, I've been a big fan of the series for a long time. Um, I'm a little upset that when they announced Ace Attorney 6, that they immediately announced that they were localizing it, um, which is awesome. I'm glad to hear that we're going to get it. But there was another Phoenix Wright game that came out... Um, a couple months ago, that's, that was called The Great Ace Attorney, which is basically um, Phoenix Wright's predecessor, like his, his ancestor, who was also an attorney but was in, but was in high school during, during the uh, feudal Japan era, and Sherlock Holmes is in the game too, which is really random. But um, they, there's still no word of that getting localized. And I don't think that it is, unfortunately, because in the localizations of the Phoenix Wright games, they say that they take place in Los Angeles, Oh, uh, okay. And it's like you can't say, "Well, this is feudal Los Angeles." Like it doesn't work. Like it just, like it just, 
<laughs> yeah, you remember there was like a shogunate and there was warlords and like that, that was all happening. That was all happening in LA way back when. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I don't think that the US will ever see that game. If we if we do, hooray, amazing. Um, but I don't think we're ever going to see it. But Ace Attorney Six, however, since it's like the next iteration of the Phoenix Wright timeline, currently present day, quote unquote, um, we're going to get that in the US, and it looks really good. I'm excited about it. I am excited about every Phoenix Wright game. So that's going to be cool. So um, since we're kind of on the subject of... Well, earlier in the show, we were talking about DLC and all that stuff. Um, there's a new JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fighting game coming out. And I'm not super big into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but I love everything about it. And there's... I, I love... There's so much of it to read. I want to read it. Um, but I just have no idea where to start. Maybe you can help me with that at some point. The um, beginning. <laughs> just the beginning. Just the beginning. No, literally, like, I, I haven't read I haven't read the series either. Um, uh, my girlfriend has read um, pretty much all of it. Um, but I've, I've watched the anime, which is... The anime has now covered... And I'm going to probably start reading it now. Um, the anime has covered the first uh, three story arcs. Oh, cool. Of the series. So on, and the anime is super, super faithful to the manga. So if you wanted to watch the anime and then start reading the manga where the anime has stopped, that's totally uh, like viable. I think I'll do that. I um, think I'll do f- that. Um, the first arc is short, and it's not super fantastic. Like, it's not bad, but it's also... At that time, uh, the character, uh, Araki, he was really trying to just make a spoof of Fist of the North Star. Mm-hmm. Um and then it kind of grew into its own thing with its own sensibility and its own like world and language and everything. Um, so yeah, the first Phantom Blood is like okay. Battle Tendency is the second arc, and it is it, it, so far it's still my favorite. Um, nice. Though most of Japan, I think it, in Japan, uh, Stardust Crusaders, which is the third arc, is the most popular, and that one has Jotaro, who's probably the JoJo you see the most, who's in the, like, the school uniform with the big chains and shit, um, who was based off Clint Eastwood, actually. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, he was he was based on close on uh, Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, but where I was what I was kind of getting at with this was um, we were talking about DLC earlier, and um, at, during Tokyo Game Show, um, Bandai Namco announced that uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure: Eyes of Heaven won't have any paid DLC. So like yes. all of it's intended to be like on disc as it is, um, and it features characters and stories from part one through part uh, five, six, seven, eight. Part eight. eight. Ooh, so it has Jojo Lion, which is the new stuff, which is like currently going. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and it's, it's coming out on PS4 and PS3. So I will definitely be picking that up, and um, we'll have to stream that. Yeah, I heard. Um, I've heard about. I played a little bit of the last Jojo fighting game, um, and a, there was a weird amount of things that seemed. I don't know if they were behind a paywall or like they were kind of locked away in a weird way. Um, Jojo fighting games are great if you like Jojo. From my experience, if you aren't like a huge JoJo fan, though, they have no balancing like whatsoever. Not not at all. Um, like so, it's just like they're not they're fun fighting games, but they're not great fighting games because they just don't balance any of like the characters are more true to what they do in the show than anything else, and so just some characters are just wildly overbalanced or over overpowered. Um, but it is fun and it's ridiculous, so I always suggest it. Yeah, it's just super fun to look at and watch because, like, all the crazy poses and everything. And it's so faithful to the manga. Like, it, mm-hmm. it looks like the manga. It's, it's incredible. I love that. Um, but uh, one other thing, because it looks like we are, you know, we're a little bit over an hour. Um, one of the things that I really was excited about that they announced was that um, 
the Vita game, Gravity Rush, is getting yeah. a is getting a port to the PS4. Yeah, one of the only reasons to have a Vita, like still, it, yeah. it was the it was a launch game for Vita, wasn't it, or very near launch? It, yeah, it was a launch title. Yeah, and there's few games that have been better than it, surprisingly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it was a really really fun game, and it's getting a sequel on the PS4. So, and I think they said. I think they're going to re-release and they're going to release an HD version of the original game on PS4 I think before the sequel comes out, right? Yes, yes. Cool, yeah. Which is uh, supposedly the the controls um cuz the the PS Vita version used a lot of of the Vita's like touch controls and everything else and I've heard that the port over to the PS4 works really well. The same way that um supposedly Tearaway, which Tearaway is another amazing game on the Vita. Um yep. they recent they just re- like I think a couple weeks ago, um they released it on PS4. And uh, they did a really good job of all those Vita-specific controls, porting those over to the PS4 and making them work really well. I've heard nothing um, but good things about it. Tearaway is, is the cutest. I mean, it, it, we talk about how Nintendo has like sort of a stranglehold on like cute and whimsical and like really um, just enchanting games. And Media Molecule, who does you know Little Big Planet, also um, Tearaway is just the most charming thing. It's it's really. Uh, it doesn't feel like a Nintendo game necessarily. It's charming in a very different way, but it is it is so charming. I, I definitely urge anyone to try it out. Uh, like Redbox it at least. Nice. Yeah. Um. I definitely want to. I definitely want to play play Tearaway. I haven't. Um. I've, everybody's been like, you. I need to play Tearaway, and I'm sure that people when they hear that they're gonna yell at me on Twitter to play Tearaway as well. And I will. I plan on it. I, I have full intentions of playing it. Yeah. I don't know if that many people played it because it's on the Vita, so you might not have too many people yelling at you. Um, yeah. <laughs> But you should. You should play it, though. Yeah, I definitely want to. Um, so while it's not necessarily um, Tokyo Game Show related, it's kind of after the fact. Um, uh, Yokai Watch um, is looking really good in its U.S. release. And it looks like the anime for Yokai Watch is going to uh, debut before the game does. And the game comes out, I believe, in November in the U.S. And I'm super excited about that. Do we know who's distributing that? Is it going to be... It's Nintendo. Oh, no, sorry. Who's going to distribute the anime? Like, is it going to be airing on, like, Cartoon Network? Or is it Crunchyroll? Or is it... It's going to be on uh, Disney XD, actually. Oh, okay, Disney XD. Yeah, yeah. um, They actually... I think Disney XD also showed the anime for Little Battler's Experience as well. So, um, so yeah, um, they've been making this big push because Nintendo of America likes... Submitted a license for Yokai Watch um, like two years ago, and um, we hadn't heard much from it until about a couple months ago. But um, they're they're doing like a big push for like Yokai Watch merchandise, the anime, the game, for it to be like a full on tie in, kind of like how Pokemon was. So yeah, they're going all in. And again, for those of you that aren't too familiar with Yokai Watch, um, it's a level five game, and it's a level five RPG where you kind of like collect monsters are they're called yokai and um they're kind of based more in like japanese mythology and, and things like that which is really really cool and they're really doing a fantastic job of localizing it and bringing it over to the u.s they actually released i retweeted this today and, um they actually um redubbed the japanese intro for um for yokai watch they they just like sung it in english and it sounds just like the japanese version of the song which is really really rad. cool yeah, so I'm like I'm loving the attention to detail that they're putting with this with this series. Um, 
Yeah, because usually we don't get we get like a the Dragon Ball Z American theme, which I love, but it is just like '90s butt rock instead of like the fun whimsical Japanese version. Oh, uh, butt rock! We we get dragon, dragon. Watch the dragon, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, we get that as opposed to like uh, whimsical Japanese lyrics about life. Yeah. Oh, it, it looks it looks amazing. I'm really excited about it. Um, it comes out this fall as well, so that's gonna be like my portable experience that I'm gonna be playing all uh, all this winter. So I'm looking forward to that as well. But um, they announced, and the reason why I kind of brought Yokai Watch up is because apparently um, Yokai Watch and Smash Brothers both won um, com- both won awards for the Computer Entertainment Suppliers Association Awards that they do every year in Japan. They announced in that Tokyo Game Show that the best sales um, were um, the, the the best selling game from Tokyo Ga- at Tokyo Game Show was Yokai Watch Two, um, and then the global award for outstanding game sales was Super Smash Bros. for the 3DS and the Wii U, and the global award for a game overseas that sold the best went to Call of Duty: Advanced Warfare, um, <laughs> which yeah, because I mean it's Call of Duty, but um, what I found interesting about this was that. Um, there's there are a mixture of Japanese games and um, and American games in here too. The majority of them being Japanese, of course, but like there are some American games in there. Um, so outside of Call of Duty, um, an excellence award went to Destiny. Yeah. Um, and then um, even though it's technically it's a Japanese game, but a Bloodborne's on the list. So the excellent award went to Bloodborne, Yokai Watch Two, Destiny, Pokemon Omega Ruby, and Alpha Sapphire. Smash Brothers for 3DS and Wii U, Monster Four, Monster Monster Hunter Four Ultimate, Dragon Quest Heroes, Yokai Watch Two Headliner, and Mario Kart Eight, and then special awards went to Monster Strike and Minecraft. Huh? Yeah. Like in in a uh, in case you are like, oh, Yokai Watch. Like, what what is? Uh, you yes. know, Why is this important? Uh, it is selling better in Japan, and it's a bigger deal over there right now than Pokemon is. Um, it is doing bigger numbers than Pokemon, and that hasn't happened in Japan since Pokemon's been a thing. Um, there has not there has not been a game to hit the same sort of sales numbers or have the same sort of attach rate with kids. Um, like it is, it is the new Pokemon, and so I am curious if it's going to catch on here as well, only because uh, culturally it's so much more steeped in Japanese culture and its environment and its characters. Um, but I could see that making it. Uh, appeal more in some ways because it's going to be so interesting and like different yeah um i think um because the the pokemon parallels is going to be huge and um there have been some um news sites that have done articles on why why yokai watch isn't a pokemon clone and it's really interesting it's really interesting i'm not going to go into details of that because we're running we're running uh, short on time but um look up yokai watch um everything about yokai watch is pretty cool um I'm really looking forward to this game. I love anything that Level 5 does. I'm a big pile of anime weebly trash, so I love all sorts of Japanese stuff. So um, them kind of, like, taking and personifying, like, Japanese myth- mythological characters as something that kids can, you know, intake and understand, I think is really cool. And seeing them kind of handle the localization as well as they are right now and just a few things that I've seen alone... It looks really, really good. I'm I'm really excited about it, and I'm ready to ha- see something else kind of rival Pokemon, because there hasn't been anything else to kind of touch it for a while. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the competition between the two, and they're both Nintendo games for sure, but um, you know, different different studios. Um, cool. Uh, DJ, did we did we have uh, any any listener mail this week? 
Um, or... le- yeah, we have one from um, a couple weeks prior to I want that we didn't get to last week. Um, it was one specifically um, about MOBAs. So let me go oh, in okay. and look at that real quick because I have the email on my phone. So I'm gonna pull that up real quick. So um, is that the one that was one from Brady? But then we had another one. Yeah, so we have some viewer mail from our viewer. His name is Sam Strickland, and it's titled Yeah, Sam. Yeah, Sam. It's titled MOBA Suggestion. Heyo, I really enjoyed the most recent episode of the show. I was never able to get into MOBAs until I checked out Vainglory. It's a mobile on iOS, best played on iPad, that is really well suited for that environment. It's super accessible. There's only one lane to push, three people to a team, and some really interesting dynamics and jungle and jungle control. I've been having a ton of fun with it, and at my level of play, at least, it doesn't de- it doesn't demand that I take it on as a second job to be competitive. I suggest checking it out if you'd ever like to play with me. My username is. I, I apologize, Sam, if I if I messed up your your gamer tag, um, but he said much love. Keep up with the great show. Cool. Thank you, Sam. You're amazing. Yeah. I'll have to check that That's out. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely have to. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't currently have an iOS device, but that might change very soon. Um, so I definitely want to check that out. That sounds interesting. There's actually um, there's a mode in League that's a single lane mode. Um, though it's really like it's just the lane. So I'm curious to hear because you mentioned that there's jungling in it, which means to me at least, without looking at it, that there's a lane, but there's jungle surrounding it. Um, which would make ganking, which ganking is like when you kind of pop in from a, another lane to attack someone unawares. So it sounds like you could gank from the jungle. Um, you're just not ganking from another lane. That sounds really interesting, though. So I'm going to give it a, uh, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to check that out because it sounds cool. Um, and I know, like, I think the, I think there is just some beta keys for, um, or there's a sign up for the beta for Gigantic, which I want to play. So uh, I think I just saw that today, actually. So we'll, I'm sure we'll keep talking about MOBAs a little bit because I'm, I'm going to, we so definitely will. Gonna keep playing them because they're they're fun. I'm gonna get you hooked up with that gigantic key if you don't already have one because I got some friends. Yeah, if the normal the normal route that they announced today doesn't work, give me them hookups. I'll get you, I'll get you the hookups. Yeah, how's that for but, ethics um, in our game? <laughs> <laughs> Take that. Um, but yeah, um, so I think that's pretty much where we're at. I mean, I think we're both really excited about what Japan has in store for for the rest of the world. In terms of games doing and stuff, Japan? they're doing stuff. Japanese game developers aren't completely dead. <laughs> they're still making some really cool stuff, um, and a lot of great stuff that's getting localized and brought to the U.S., which is awesome. So I'm really excited to see what the future holds from Japan. But um, but yeah, was there anything else that you wanted to mention, Ruben, or was are you pretty much good nah, on a? Fuck it, I'm done. Yeah, let's get out of here. Oh, okay. <laughs> but guys um we we love you guys so much for listening to the show as always and we always would love to hear what you guys have to say yeah thanks so much sam yeah. that was awesome i'm gonna look at that game now do it yeah so if you want to be like sam <laughs> and, and be a cool and guy give me a game and, to and play give us, on the toilet <laughs> yeah give me a game to play on the toilet hit us up at the joystick jockeys at gmail.com or tweet at us at joystick jockeys or you can tweet at me dj which is just at oh hey dj o h h e y dj and where can they find you, Ruben? 
Uh, you can get me on Twitter at uh, at Rubots, R-O-O-B-O-T-S. And uh, you can also, like, see I do comedy, and uh, I'm trying to do some voice acting stuff right now. So you can uh, hear my reel and look at dumb improv stuff that I do um, and my improvised podcast that I do that's like a weird um, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory on crack, basically. Um, it's like a radio show uh, at RubenMedina.com. It's all on my site. Awesome. But yeah, um, please guys bring us, uh, give us that viewer mail. We love getting all that stuff from you guys. And also what we would really appreciate from both of, um, from all of you. <laughs> from the two of you um, listening. Everyone is that <laughs> from the two of you that are listening to the show, um, write us a review on iTunes so that we can get some stars on our thing, on our page. So pe- more people can find us. And we, you know, we need you guys to stroke our egos a little bit. So it's the opposite of Grand Theft Auto. We want more stars on the iTunes page, as many as possible. Yes, yes. I want, I want all cops coming from everywhere. Actually, no, I don't. But yes, we need all the stars. <laughs> I want all the stars all the time. DJ, no, DJ, it's a bad idea, DJ. No, it's a, it's a, it's a very bad idea, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, please, you know, give us a review on iTunes. Rate us, whatever you guys think. Um, if we're awful, if we're, or if we're amazing, whatever it is, we would love to hear your feedback. We want to make the show as awesome as possible for you guys. And we can't do it without your help. So we'd greatly appreciate it. Cool. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much it for us. Um, we are out of here, and we will see you guys next time. See you. Bye. Yeah.